Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Wilson. You can email the show at weeklywilsonpod at gmail.com. I am your travel-weary host, Brian Wilson. And I'm your host who believes that Brian claiming the title of travel-weary is absurd in the light of Jay's travels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as I said that, I was like, you have much more claim to that title than I do, probably, but... I got we'll get to that because <laughs> <laughs> would you like to speak? Well, I think I got to my airport to leave before you because you had to drop me off. You you were the one who did the car rental. But I think I arrived uh-huh. at home like 24 hours after you. Yeah, I got home, was like tired, spent the night with Sydney and Taylor and their mom and then woke up the next morning and was going to run. And as I was running, I was like. I don't think Jay's home yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we'll get to that Which, in due time. <laughs> or, yeah, we can we can really throw bows on that, or <laughs> trade blows over that one as to whose fault it was. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> regardless, we will cover that, because on this episode, we are skipping the what we've done recently talk, because there's one topic in particular that we want to talk a lot about this week, which is the fact that we just got back from the track and field world championships that were held for the first time in the United States, held in the United States for the first time ever in Eugene, Oregon. And uh, I would talk about what's happened to me since then as like a teaser, but I'm still in the airport, so (laughs) (laughs) no, Uh, but yeah, it was a great trip. It was something we planned, like, over a year ago, I think. Almost a year ago. I remember trying to book a hotel over a year in advance, yeah. and they said they were all already completely full. I just remember looking ahead and saying, I remember buying buying the tickets and thinking to myself, okay, what, what am I going to be doing at that time? And then I thought, oh, it'll be my last co-op. It'll be during the summer. Yeah, it'll, it'll be co-op. I'll make it work. I'll just, like, I'll make it work. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's just it, it's arrived. I'm in an entirely different phase of life, it seems, from when I started, or from when we bought the tickets. Yeah, because it's such an uncommon occurrence for a trip that only two Wilson boys are going on to be planned that far in advance. And planned is a strong word. <laughs> well, yeah, it also made me super uneasy because all we did was bought tickets, bought a flight, and then I uh, rented a car. Yeah. Which we'll get to later. (laughs) But that was all the planning that went into it. And then for literally like 10 months, nothing. We We didn't have to do anything. And I was like, do I have to do something? Is this right? Like, what? It felt so weird going. I was so nervous to go because I was like, I feel like, I feel like this trip isn't actually happening. Yeah. And I also found that uh, we did not need to plan it that far in advance because... I'm sure flight prices probably fluctuated a lot throughout, but were largely the same. Mm-hmm. Um, hotels were booked way far out, but then I heard that they like canceled all those bookings and reopened the hotels because they didn't realize it was going to be a big event, so they jacked up their prices. Yeah, that's which wouldn't have mattered for us because I could have used points. Yeah, I feel like that should be illegal, but the, and I don't know if that actually happened, but that was just what I heard. But while we were there. People were saying, oh, yeah, these hotels right in town have a lot of rooms open. That's dumb. So that kind of threw me off. And But I did also, I think I only looked at Hilton's, because those are where I could use my points. Yeah. 
So I'm sure there were some Joe Schmo hotels that had rooms, but yeah, no Joe Schmo and all their hotels. Um, yeah, yeah, but I think it all worked out more or less yeah. as we'll get to. But should we just get into it? Yeah, I think we should get into it. So how we decided we want to do this episode is we just wrote down all of the significant events that took place throughout the trip, and we ordered them from worst to best. Yeah. So we're going to start with all of the bad things yeah. that happened, and we're going to work our way up, and then we're going to hit the finale of the episode with um, the best thing that happened. Yeah. Do we want to? we're going to a... see how our lists compare. Do we want to give a quick overview of like the general timeline just to add clarity to the trip first because i think that might be a little bit helpful because in general um like we both flew out to different airports i got there Mm -hmm. first brian met me at a hotel with the van that he rented for us so he rented Mm -hmm. a nissan turo nv um, and it's kind of like a sprinter van, but scaled down just a little bit. So you would, you can only, you can only stand doubled over, but then laying down, it was, the back was long enough for both Brian and I to lay down fully stretched. Um, yeah, don't, don't, don't talk too much about it. Cause that's one of my bullet points. Well, anyhow, um, that, so that was, that was our lodging, but then essentially the timeline went, we flew in one evening, woke up the next day. Um, and basically had the whole day to do this, that, and the other until evening. We had tickets to the, to the games and Mm -hmm. then next day, same deal, doing our own thing in the morning. Then in the evening, we had tickets to the track meet again. And then we left town after that and then woke up bright and early, got to the airport, came back. So it was a very brief trip. Um, Yeah definitely oriented around one very specific event but that was the overview Mm -hmm. so now we're going to dive into our best parts and worst parts our roses and thorns yeah uh telling people about this trip they're like oh you flew out to oregon for like a weekend trip essentially like a four-day trip and i'm Mm -hmm. like well yeah we had tickets to the meet and then we came back and it's like i guess we could have tried to hit other things in oregon while we were there but I, would have just been I don't know. People have jobs. People have things to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, if anything, we would have and stayed till. Well, we would have just flown back Sunday. But I mean, I kind of used up all my time, as we'll get into. Um, so yeah, transit was a bitch. I would have had to take more days off work. Regardless, I'm happy with how we did it. It yeah, seemed odd to other it. people, but I was like, I went there, I did what I wanted to do, and I came back. Yeah. When you can fly, the world is small. Mm-hmm. Regardless, do you want to kick us off with your uh, worst worst thing that happened during the trip? Yeah, so I'm going to say worst thing that happened during the trip. First thing, um, losing my camera. It happened very early. Um, yep, that's uh, what I have. I have the worst thing was the wombo combo of me losing my Nalgene and you losing your camera. <laughs> both yeah. on the way there. Yeah, so I have a nice camera that I like to record my trips with. And thankfully I had removed DSLR. Yeah, I had removed all of the stuff that I had filmed on it right before I left, so I didn't lose any like precious memories or anything, but I don't know if I just left it somewhere like an idiot or if it got stolen while I was in the airport because when I travel with it, um I'm always scared. I don't have like a protective case or anything, and I rarely want to like have room for a separate camera bag as like a carry-on or something. Um 
So I just kind of carry it with me in my hand the whole time. I've done this for multiple trips. I did it for our entire road trip. That was like 10 days. I did it the entire time I was in Europe. I've, I've, this is a tried and true method for me. Um, which leads me to believe it was just kind of stolen slyly at some point. Um, but I would not put it past me to just have finally slipped up and left it somewhere. But I was very bummed. Yeah. Did you end up uh, fi- paying $40 to file the lost item claim? I did not. I spent last night doing other things to rectify mistakes I had made, as I will get to. Um, <laughs> okay. But, yeah, so definitely worst thing was losing my camera, I would yeah. say. And for me, I lost <laughs> to a much less significant loss was my Nalgene. And that was, that was the worst thing that happened many- to you? Well, no, I the camera is associated okay. with that. I'm saying the Nalgene and the camera wombo combo at the at the offset of the like, trip. It was before we even had met at the hotel. Yeah, because I'm like, because I was, uh, I was getting ready to drive to meet you, and I put my Nalgene in my crappy backpack side pocket and i was like that's not gonna stay in there when i go to take my backpack out of this uber it's gonna fall out i need to remember to grab that that was my thought process as i put it in the pocket and then i got out of the uber um like got my suitcase whatever and then was checking like uh checking out the turo i guess like getting it from the person taking pictures and stuff and it was like less than 10 minutes after the uber had left Mm -hmm. and i was like crap i left my water bottle so I immediately like tried to contact the Lyft driver. It was a Lyft, not an Uber. Tried to contact the driver. He was very Asian. Um, so hard, a little bit of a communication barrier there. Um, and it, we were like thinking I could maybe get it back. And he was like, oh, if you go to the airport, I can be there in like 30 minutes to an hour. And I was like, I'm already driving to Portland and I'm going to get there at 1 a.m. Do I really want to wait that long for, to maybe get this Nalgene back? And I was, like, so flustered because also I was talking to him on the phone. I was already driving. Mm-hmm. So my GPS is, like, yelling instructions at me while he's talking to me in his thick accent. And I'm just, like... And then I was trying to tell him. I was, like, forget it. I don't want it back. Just throw it away. And he was, like, no, no, no. I can get it back to you. It's fine. We can just meet at the airport. And I'm, like, dude, throw it away. I don't want it. <laughs> so that was just a very stressful situation. And I was bummed about that already. So then when I heard about your camera... It, yeah. like, briefly made me feel better, <laughs> but then immediately I just felt ten times worse because I felt so bad for you. Yeah. And it just made me really upset. I'm like, and then at that point, because I told you the whole planning of the trip felt fake to yeah. start, and so I was just like, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. this wasn't planned. We're both idiots. I'm like, this was a terrible idea, and I was just so in the dumps. Yeah, that was a rough way to start the trip, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, will I was say like, though, I was so excited for this, I just wanted it to be good, and yeah. now it's already so bad. It was just, uh, the timing of it, I think, yeah. was the worst part, too. That, yeah, that was rough. But then, I'd say, the first morning, spirits were lifted. Yeah, I'd say so. Continental breakfast, really yeah. just... The continental <laughs> breakfast was great. Um, I didn't list it on my list, but like... The fact Me neither, that we, but that was that's got to be a highlight. We were in a, oh, yeah. a really good mood there. There was they had bagels, uh, English muffins, omelets pre-made with like peppers and cheese, and then sausage mm-hmm. patties and like all. It was one of the best continental, if not the best continental breakfast I've ever had. Um, 
And yeah, so we were having like breakfast sandwiches and like a bunch of juice and there was yogurt and whatnot. But, uh, and, um, in addition to that, we woke up in time to get to a group run with all those folks, but now we're kind of digressing, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So soon thereafter we woke up, we were joshing around having breakfast. We act, we accidentally woke up on time to make it to a cool thing we thought we were going to miss. So Mm -hmm. we, we were riding high after that. Yeah. Um, Got off on the wrong foot, but then the trip turned around. That's why we're doing bad things to good things. Yeah. So then, um, yeah. So I guess I, since I took your, or since we kind of matched, I'll go again. Um, My second worst thing that happened was losing my wallet. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know if you just tie these all together and make it. uh, Losing things. Losing things. (laughs) But yeah, on day two of the trip. Yeah. wallet gone so at the, somehow at the end somewhere. of day one after we had been to the track meet i uh i paid for food that night and then the next day the next time i went to pay for something i didn't have my wallet and i have no idea how i lost it i'm not that's the thing is this trip made me feel really dumb for losing things but like i realized i don't lose things very often like i'm pretty good about holding yeah. on to things um which is kind of at odds with how ditzy I am sometimes, but I generally really I really don't lose things. I I don't know. It's just I have no idea where I left that wallet. I've had that wallet for so long. I think since I was like twelve, honestly. Yeah. And I just don't know how I managed to lose it. It's like how do I know I thought <laughs> How can you not lose something for so long and then just I guess you only have to lose it once, and you only can lose it once. But it just, it seems wild to me that I lost that wallet after so many wild circumstances where I haven't lost it. Mm-hmm. And thinking back, like, retracing our steps, too, I'm like, there's no reasonable point in the span of time that we knew it had been lost Yeah. that it would have been lost. It's not like we were moving around a lot. You didn't pay for anything. You didn't have your wallet out for anything. Yeah. Because it was, you paid for dinner, and then we went back to the mall to sleep, got kicked out of the mall, and had to go to that other spot that we ended up sleeping, and then just kind of, like, went about our day, and you didn't do anything with your wallet all day, because it wasn't until, like, mid-afternoon that you noticed it was gone. Yeah. So, I really, I truly have no idea where it could have gone. Um, I also am astounded that not only did none of my credit cards... None of my credit cards were attempted to be used, so that's great, mm-hmm. especially my debit card. Um, but, yeah, so none of, none of them were used, so nobody nefarious found it, but then, also, it had a plethora of identification in it. So, I don't understand how somebody just finds it and does nothing with it. You yeah, know? I don't know, I think there's... Do you think there's more people in the world that would go out of their way to try to find the owner or more just neutral people that are like, oh, wallet, no cash, don't want it and throw it back? To me, it's so easy to find the owner of a wallet if it has that much identification in it. I agree. It's like going and, out well, of your yeah, way. That's... Like that out, there's that out of the way has a huge asterisk next to it. And like the payoff is like huge for the, whoever you find it for. Right. And I'm definitely more inclined to try and find the owner because I know how much it sucks to lose a wallet. 
and I know I can make someone's day so infinitely good by trying to get that wallet back to them. Yeah, so... So, so that was kind of baffling, but, um... That was a that was a bummer. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, these things happen. It's easy to cancel credit cards. And I only had... I think the only cash I had in there were my Aldi quarters and 20 euros. Yeah, so that was that softened the blow a little Which, bit. And I was enough. I it was, was <laughs> so likely that at that point, if somebody in Eugene found it, it was the most likely anybody would be to have a use for euros. Because <laughs> there were right. so many world, yeah. <laughs> worldly people. Mm-hmm. But um, I was also impressed by the speed that you got over it. Because oh, yeah. you were like a little uneasy, a little upset, and as soon as you canceled your deb- debit card, you were like, okay, I don't care anymore. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Like, I could see myself doing that, but I was really surprised to see someone else get over something that fast. Yeah, I mean... Because you're like, like at, the, at the end of the day, it's just an inconvenience. Yeah. So that's like, that's one thing that was... Because, I don't know, you don't want it to ruin any more time than it needs to, especially if you're, like, on a trip. Um, right. But, yeah, I think... I, we talked about it in the moment a little bit, but it's like the unknown is the thing that gets me the most. So, like, once you were just like, oh, I've lost my wallet before, like, you just cancel your cards and get new ones, it's not a big deal. And then get mm-hmm. I know how to get a new ID, and I know that's not a big deal. And then it's like... And I know people who have flown without an ID before, so it's like, okay, this is, like, just really annoying, but oh well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of moved on past right, that ne- eventually, but... <laughs> What was your second? Yeah, it didn't take thing? long. Um, the wallet was also for me, but then the next one on my list is uh, the long drives as a whole. Like, all of the long stretches of driving I had to do, which I know didn't really affect you too much. Yeah, I didn't have to drive hardly anywhere. I had two one-hour drives. But You had six <laughs> yeah, hours but, of driving aside from what I did. Yeah, really just the commute in general. So my commute to get to Eugene was I drove from Wilmington to Raleigh. So that's two-ish hours, a little over two hours. Mm-hmm. Flew from Raleigh to Seattle, which is a six-hour flight. And then drove er, in Seattle, Ubered to a pickup location for this Nissan van that I got. Mm-hmm. Picked up that van and then drove from Seattle to Portland, which was another two... Like, two and a half hours, two hours, 40 minutes, something like mm-hmm. that. So, I... And then I got to Portland at 1 a.m. So, I drove from Seattle to Portland from, like, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. And after all that other travel, that drive was just terrible. <laughs> like, so exhausting. I'm so tired, and it's the middle of the night. I arrived at 1 a.m. Pacific time, so that means it was, like, 4 a.m. Eastern time. Yeah. And I finally roll into the hotel, and I call Jay to figure out what our room number is, to, and he's already asleep, so then I have to deal with the incompetent front desk 4am guy, 1am guy. Yeah, I figured you'd just check in, like normal. Well, you checked in. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't check in? So I was like, well, I come in and I say, hey, I have a room that my brother's already in, can you tell me that room number? <laughs> So it's not exactly checking in. But then, yeah, got there and then had to drive. I guess the drive the next morning wasn't bad. But then the drives home after the whole weekend. Because we finished night two at the track meet. Mm -hmm. 
and then packed up and headed straight to Portland because I was going to have to make a morning flight out of Seattle the next morning, so I wanted to get as much driving out of the way as possible. So I'm exhausted again driving to Portland. Yeah, I barely was, was, staying that was a awake. stint. <laughs> yeah, and then we sleep at a highway rest stop. Yeah. Which was actually pretty nice. Um, <laughs> but then, so we yeah, get to sleep... to sleep in the back of a van. <laughs> yeah. But then we get to sleep at like 11, and then wake up at 4? 4, 4 or 4.30, yeah. Yeah, and then I drop you off at the airport, and then continue to drive another 2 hours and 40 minutes back to Seattle to drop off the Turo, and then lift back to the airport... And I, I gave myself, I think, a little over an hour at the airport to get to my gate, which mm -hmm. is my standard. And then TSAJ was so backed up. Oof. And I was like, it's not happening. I'm not going to make my flight. It's not going to happen. Like, I'm checking my watch. I'm like, okay, they started boarding now, and I still have about 100 people in front of me. <laughs> so I was, like, sweating. And I usually stay pretty calm in those scenarios, because I'm like, well, if I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't. Mm -hmm. But I was like... I was pretty stressed. Were you to be asking honest. people if I was you like, could cut them in line? No, and I kind of wish I would have, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so I finally get through security. A couple of good things happened where they like started rushing people through, and I was like, "Ooh, we're moving. I might make it. I might make it." So I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, "I have ten minutes until the gates close," and then I get up to the front, get through pretty quick, get through the metal detectors, pack all my stuff up. I'm like. Seven minutes, we can do this. And I literally, like, you know the airport jog, like, yeah. you're trying to get to your gate? I was, like, mile race pace running to my gate. Yeah, when we need to run people. in an airport, it's a, I feel like, like, whenever we need to run in a scenario, I feel like our sustained run is far faster just because that's the only thing we do. We're just yeah. like, oh, I need, to, I need to get to a place fast? I'm cutting, like, seven-minute miles minimum, like... Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, how how far is it? One mile? Okay, I can run a six-minute mile, no problem. Yeah. So, and then I ended up making it in time. I got to the gate, there was one, I think there was one more person, but they had, like, some special circumstance, but I get to the, I sprint up to the gate, and they're like, Brian Wilson? And I'm like, yeah, that's me, and they're like, you made it! <laughs> <laughs> you win! So... Yeah, so I made it on the plane. That's the closest I've ever cut. I got in the gate, and they closed it, I think, three minutes later. Yeah, so. I am always, um, I'm kind of, there was a phase of life where I thought that, like, airplane people didn't couldn't care less if you made it to your plane or not, mm -hmm. but now that I've spent, um, like, 24 hours in airports in the last two, to, like, weekend, <laughs> um, they really do, like, they... Try. They call out specific names throughout the whole airport, trying to get people to make their flights. They're just like, "Hey, this person, we're gonna close the gates soon. Hurry up." Yeah. So, they they're like waiting on folks. Yeah. I was wondering too. I was like, while I was waiting in line, I was like, I really just want to call the gate and be like, "Hey, I'm in security now. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be there. Just please wait." But I'm like, I can't call the gate. Like that's not a thing. Mm -hmm. Like. That'd be cool if they added in, like, the American Airlines app or whatever, if you could message. I don't know if that would make any difference if they really care. But, like, if it's a matter of a couple minutes, it could make the difference. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I don't know what the rules and regulations are around when they have to close the gate, how long the gates have to be closed before they can pull out, or like what preparations they can do while the gates are open. Yeah. But I, I think, think that'd be cool. Even if the, I think all of the rules surrounding airplanes are too strict. I'm I agree. Put that out there. Thanks, Bin Laden. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if they can do calls over the intercom to say, "Hey, this passenger, the gates are closing. Get your ass over here." Then I feel like they should be able to call your phone because you got to give like a phone number when you make, get a plane yeah. ticket, right? Or, or maybe it's optional. Or they regardless, could say, or they could just make an announcement to the TSA area. Brian Wilson, you have been given status to go to the front of the TSA line. Brian Wilson, like... Right, yeah. But then also, that encourages people to get there late. It's like, I, I understand why we have to follow the systems. That's true. But then that's the thing, too. It's like, if I start saying, like, my gate closes in 10 minutes, do you mind if I cut in front of all of you? Because I wanted to kind of, like, just duck under the little stanchion thing, you yeah. know? But I was like... It's one thing to ask one person and jump in front of them. It's like, I felt like I would have to ask every person. That's what I meant. And just like, work my way like, up one by that's one. What I would, that's what I would do. If I yeah, because really then once you, get, once you get a handful of yeses, then you have social pressure working in your favor, where no one wants to be the guy that says no. Yeah. So yeah. I did think about it. But I think it was close enough that I was willing to wait. Because yeah. with all the switchbacks, I was like, okay, it took me this much time to get through this switchback. There's three or four more switchbacks. And I'm like, I think I'm going to make it. Yep. But so I was just staying optimistic. Anyhow, but. well, Brian, my next one fits in with that sort of because... And I would... I, we can let the listeners decide whose travel is worse. Because I think if we run the numbers, <laughs> yeah. I still traveled for longer than you did. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, because my next point is flying woes. So, on the way out, I had a poultry um, hour and, like, 15 drive to Columbus, and then a flight to Denver, and then a flight to Portland. And then I had to walk from the Portland airport to our hotel, which was two miles, because uh, no Lyft drivers would pick me up for some reason. Um, <laughs> didn't want to make a two mile drive. Yeah. So that, I think I left my house at 7am, had like a 30 minute breakfast with Tommy in Columbus, which was the, the weird thing is that during my travels there and back, I got to see a lot of people that I don't get to see often. And every, every time I see those people, I'm always just reminded of how fun it is to hang out with them. Like, Tommy's mm -hmm. one of those folks where every time I see him, the past, like, three times I think I've seen him, I've been him just giving me a ride to the airport when I fly out of Columbus, which I feel really bad about. But every time <laughs> I do, I get so excited for that, like, short exchange, because it's usually just, like, 15... It's, like, a 15-minute drive to the airport, but then I usually try to set up so that I can have a meal with him, and I always hope that that kind of, like, relieves some of just the, like, annoyance of me just being like, hey, can you give me a ride to the airport? Um, but, uh, yeah. But yeah uh, so well, I think, I want to say, I think that's a, a really fun adult thing to do though, is like, Hey, I'm flying out of here. Do you want to like meet up and then like take me to the airport? I think it's a very good, reasonable I way to yeah. see people and meet up with them. 
Like one that Sydney and I do is a lot of our layovers are in Dallas. Yeah. And Sydney has a really good friend in Dallas. So we've gotten into the habit of if we know we're going through Dallas, we'll intentionally take like a six hour layover or an eight hour layover. And then we'll leave the airport, get lunch or dinner with them, and then go back to the airport. Sometimes we'll even do like, or no, I don't think we have yet. We've considered doing an overnight layover. Yeah. And then staying the night with them. But I think, I think it's, I don't think you're taking advantage of anybody, especially with the duration of your friendship to this point. Yeah, but uh, it it is just sort of like, and I like to think that I would do the same for anybody if they were coming into uh, Cincinnati, just because I know Mm -hmm. how much nicer it is to get a ride from a friend than it is to pay potentially like 20 to $40 for a a Lyft or an Uber. Yeah, let me tell you, having your friends come and go a little bit out of their way to come pick you up from the airport is like one of the nicest Mm -hmm. things a friend can do. It's so appreciated. Yeah. Which I will get to later. <laughs> um, because, so Brian, I had that, it was a long journey, so I think I left my house at 7am Eastern, and then um, got to Portland at like 9.30pm Eastern. Mm-hmm. Um, like a 12 plus hour travel day. Yeah, with a visit with Tommy in the middle. But um, But then, on the way back, so, after losing my camera, losing my wallet, sleeping in a van, I hadn't showered since Wednesday, I uh, am dropped off at the airport. We rinsed off in the river. We rinsed off in the river. I was dropped off at the airport at about 5.30 or 6 a.m., I think. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, you dropped me there as late as you possibly could. Um, yes, because <laughs> I made it to my gate with two minutes to spare. Yeah. But, uh, I... I'm starting to look at my information. I'm exhausted because we just slept for like what, like four or five hours, um, yeah. And we hadn't we we hadn't rested a ton um, in the nights prior. But I uh, I'm looking at my stuff. I'm trying to figure out um, like w- how long I should lay there. I'm trying. I'm having tr- troubles figuring out where my flight is because I got there so early. Because I arrived at like five thirty six. My flight wasn't until two p.m. So then I knew that I was going to be there for eight hours. My flight's not even on the board yet. Um, so I didn't know what security checkpoint to go through. So I'm just like, all right, I'm just sleeping in the like first entryway before security. Yeah. Um, the side, atrium. Yeah, side note, um, anybody can get in there. So it's a lot less... Um, I felt less safe. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's kind of like sleeping in a bus station. Yeah, at one point I plugged in my phone, and I, or no, I I was alternating between this place where I could charge my phone and like going to check the front desk to see if the Frontier people had even shown up for work yet, and then, because <laughs> um, I think I was the first flight out for Frontier, um, Yeah, I was checking the help desk and then checking the board and then going back to where I was charging my phone, but I would have to take all my stuff with me because there's people all over the place, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Um, I was going back to my spot, and I was getting ready to charge my phone, and this woman, obviously in great distress, comes pacing up to me and starts yelling at me, like, can I use your phone charger? Do you have a charger I can use? And then I immediately go, oh, yeah, like, is it Samsung? And then she's just like, and if she said no, my follow-up was going to be, I immediately thought that was a dumb question, because I have both on me. Um, 
uh-huh. say I'm such an asshole. But then she just immediately starts like screaming at me, like saying, "Like, do you think I could like?" I don't give a fuck, like, like not making sense, like, screaming expletives at me, like, obviously, like, visually upset, like, crying, and I'm just like, I'm just like, it's okay, like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, if we can, if I can help you charge your phone, and then she's like, she's like yelling at me to let me use her, let her use my charger, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it's cool, it's cool, like, we're good, it's fine, and then she's just like, saying like, I don't want to talk to you, like, I don't, I don't want to be friends, I just need to use your charger, like, she's like screaming at me, she's like, she needs to get on the phone with her dad or something, before he gets in from his flight, I don't know. Um, but her phone was dead, and she was obviously very distressed. So she sits there, and she's charging her phone, and then I'm just sitting there. Like, because I'm just like, she obviously doesn't want to say a word to me or me to say anything to her. Like, mm-hmm. and at first, I, I was just worried because she seemed, like, visibly crazy and maybe homeless. And yeah. then I was sitting there, and she was like, meanwhile, she kept yelling, just not at me anymore. Like, she was yelling about things at nobody it kind of sounded like she was talking to somebody, but then at one point she said, like, she was, like, yelling at these people, and then she said, like, not you, like, she was calling other people rude, and then she turns to me and says, like, not you, and then went back to, like, yelling at nobody. Oh, boy. And then eventually her phone charges, and she gets on the phone with her dad, and she said, like, hi, I'm at the airport, and or she said, where are you? And he said, oh, like, in Salem, and then she said, what? I thought you were at the airport, and he said, no, I'm flying out tomorrow. Oh boy! So then she's like, "You said today," and then he's like, "Oh no, like I'm sorry. I guess she's like, like, I didn't say today." And then she's like, "You said today," and then she's like, "Oh well, then I'm sorry. I guess like I I don't think I said today." But so she was definitely crazy, and I noticed she didn't have any shoelaces. I don't know if that means anything, but uh, <laughs> um, so that was odd. <laughs> oh boy well at least that probably that kept your eight hours at the portland airport a little more interesting yeah but uh i was on the phone with kelly at the time so like this woman comes up screaming at me and then i just i'm just like uh-huh. i'll call you back and then i'm just like pardon me ma'am <laughs> like <laughs> oh my gosh but uh so then i spent eight hours at the portland airport i got through security without my id just fine um it took like maybe a half hour, uh, but okay. How was that? They just ask you questions and go through your stuff. So Brian, I get up to the counter and they're just like, "Do you have anything to identify yourself?" And I said, "I have some vaccination cards, but like those just have my name written on them. Like it, they're not official or anything." Right. And she's just like, "All right." And then, but as I'm saying that, I'm getting them out for her, and then I see, oh, I have my expired driver's license. Will that help? And she's just like, yes. No way. And I'm just like, you do? let's go. Yeah, I had my expired driver's license. <laughs> How and why? Because I emptied out my wallet at one point. I guess I just slid it in that random pocket. Like, so... You emptied out your wallet at some point during the trip? Like, I car- I'm sure I carried my old ID around with me for a while. And then at one point, I'm just like, oh, I don't need this. My wallet's too full. And I just took all the stuff that I didn't use out of it and just left it in my backpack. Wow. So I was just like, heck yeah. You little piece. (laughs) So then (laughs) I I think that helped a lot. And then they, yeah, they just had to do it. It's got to be like a highlight of the trip. It was pretty clutch. I'm going to say it was a little (laughs) silver lining. Um, But uh, so then they just had to do a more thorough search. They like looked through my bag, like swabbed a bunch of stuff. I don't know why they were swabbing so many things. Like they had to run tests, I guess. Um, I think what they're doing when they do that is they're looking for... um, 
residues of explosive materials or like explosive elements, compounds, whatever you call them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, so yeah, I, uh, so I got through that just fine. Um, and then, yeah, uh, so that worked out just fine, but I was in the airport and once I made it into there, um, another thing that I ironed out while I was waiting in the main area with the crazy lady, um, I saw on my plane tickets that, oh, I flew out of Columbus, but it says here that I'm flying back into Cincinnati. So then I call up Brian and I'm just like, hey, did you intend to do this? And you said, yeah, you told me to get you the cheapest flight possible. I thought you'd figure it out. And then I was like, well, yes, I did say that. So in Brian's defense, he bought a plane ticket for me. I paid for it, but I was in Portugal. I was like trying to get a bunch of stuff sorted before leaving for Portugal. And that fell to the bottom of the list because there were complications with me leaving for Portugal. So then I said, hey, Brian, I'm now in Portugal can you buy this plane ticket for me? Cause they're only going to get more expensive. And I have like weird service out here and I don't like, I don't have time to do this. And you said, sure, Jay, I got you. What do you want me to do? Like, where do you want to fly out of? And I said, just get the cheapest thing possible. And then you said something yeah. like, Oh, do you mind flying like a bad flight, like a red eye or something? And I said, no, that's fine. Just book whatever. Yeah. I think I asked like, do you mind a red eye? Do you mind overnight layovers? Like yeah. any of this stuff? And you're like, cheapest just get it i was like okay yeah here we go so then, i don't think i asked though if you minded flying out of different airports but yeah so i was trying to optimize it for you and i guess i could have added specific stipulations and now i know that i need to be specific but of all the people i asked about my travel situation that you set up for me they said yeah i wouldn't expect somebody to go that far <laughs> i that's what i'm realizing is that i go to greater lengths to secure cheap prices than most people yeah honestly like I, sydney and i scrub travel itinerary possibilities yeah. very thoroughly to find the thing that works the best for the cheapest yeah no and i think everything. honestly everything aside from flying out of and into a different airport I would have done. Mm -hmm. um, but no, so I found out that I had to somehow, I had to figure out how to get from uh, Cincinnati airport in Kentucky. Um, so CVG to Columbus to retrieve my car. Um, right. So I was calling people, seeing if I could get um, a ride. And this was kind of, it was kind of a gut punch after knowing that, like being stressed that I was gonna have to get through security without an ID or anything. Um, and being assaulted by a crazy woman verbally. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I eventually was able to line up transportation. Um, I got a friend, um, named Ben to get me to, from Cincinnati airport to Cincinnati proper um, where I was dropped off at the house that I lived at last year, I was able to nap for a little while. And then my roommates from that house volunteered to drive me halfway to Columbus to be met by Rachel with my car. And then I would drive both of us back to Columbus and then go home. The first plan was for her to meet me and Greg to follow so that I could just leave from there. But then... Uh, they're having car woes. So then 
I was like, hey, friends, can you take me all the way to Columbus? And they said, sure, because one of them lives there. They had errands they could run. They had stuff to do. Um, but so I had a two leg journey to get from Cincinnati airport to Columbus. But in, but before that was to happen, Brian. So I had my eight hour stint in Portland, as you know, um, Uh and then I took my two hour and change flight from Portland to Vegas and I got to Vegas at around 4 30 PM. So I arrived at the Portland airport at five 30 by four 30 nearly 12 hours later, I'm in Vegas. And then I have another eight hour layover (laughs) in Vegas until my flight leaves for Cincinnati. So I, so on your travels home, you spent a total of 16 hours burning time in airports. Yes. Um, which it wasn't all bad. I mean, I read a lot of my book that I like, I don't mind laying on the ground. So, and like I, I slept on the ground for a whole semester just with a mattress pad. So I, I can sleep on the ground. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I read books. I listened to some podcasts. I called Kelly. I bought, um, impossible whoppers, the impossible whoppy combo, mm-hmm. which is an impossible whopper com- combined with another impossible whopper. <laughs> yeah. Which, which I knew because you were using my credit card at this point. Yes. So, cause I, I had could no see money. all the places you had been. <laughs> But, uh, so that was, once I got that food, cause I ate a small breakfast of a banana and some granola first thing at the Portland airport. And then I managed to make it like, I think around 10 hours before I had to eat again and I wasn't sated by granola. <laughs> so then I had that meal. Um, and that held me for a while, but then I finally, I finally got my like three hour and change flight from Vegas to Cincinnati. So I then arrive at Cincinnati at 7.40 a.m. or so. Because mm-hmm. um, that was an overnight flight, right? Yes. So I, it was a three-hour and change flight. I also lost two hours, I think. Um, so then I arrive Sunday morning, get driven to Cincinnati. I pass out on the couch for a couple hours. Um, and then my roommates take me to Columbus I have lunch with them, which was delightful. And the drive with them was awesome. I haven't seen those guys in forever. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where, the once I got to Cincinnati, the traveling wasn't that bad. Um, cause I got and to- I will say, when I booked the flight coming back into Cincinnati, I feel like that was kind of my thought was, if he's in Cincinnati, he has resources. He has contacts <laughs> he can work with. Yeah. I'm- and also... <laughs> I also thought you probably would work that out ahead of time, yeah. but I guess you never looked at the flights no. that I got you. So yeah, in your defense, and, I also should have looked thirdly, at it <laughs> And thirdly, at the time, I also thought uh, Mike lived much closer to Cincinnati than he actually does. Oh, really? I did not realize how far Troy was from Cincinnati until I went there and was like, oh wait, this is like an hour one way. Yeah. So... Yeah, that so was my bad. Troy's but. kind of equidistant <laughs> from Columbus and Cincinnati, and it's both about an hour and change. Um, yeah, I'm well aware now. Yeah, but so then I made it to Columbus, had lunch with my friends. They dropped me off at Rachel's. I then had um, had a little visit with Rachel. I hung out for like an hour, maybe, um, mm-hmm. which was fun. Chatted with them. Uh, and soon thereafter departed. 
and had the last hour or so drive back home to Cincinnati. Yeah. And it was a weird so amount of sleep of- <laughs> at that point <laughs> because <Yeah>. I like, <laughs> sleep meant nothing. I was like, am I going to be able to sleep tonight? Because I did take a nap today for a couple hours, but I've just been sleeping at random intervals. Like I slept like maybe a half hour in the Vegas airport. And, like, I kind of tried to sleep the whole time over the plane. But I, w- I was just done with planes by the end of that, man. It was... I hate being in planes. It's... Yeah, it gets old pretty quick. But, uh... Yeah, went for a run. Went to bed, woke mm-hmm. up, went to work today. <laughs> so, all of this to say that the travel, in general, was one of the low points of the <laughs> yeah. trip. I didn't mean to talk for, like, 20 minutes, but here we are. Yeah, what's what's your what's your timer at? I'm at, like, 46 minutes. Okay, so I haven't hit the time skip yet. We've actually been talking about traveling yeah. to and from the event for 46 minutes, yeah, Brian, and we have not yet talked about the event. <laughs> Brian hasn't gone through a wormhole. Yeah, sorry I sorry it took so long. We, should just, we shouldn't abbreviate the rest of this podcast to facilitate me ranting about travel. That was, that was my bad, guys. Um, but, so we're on to my last bad thing, and it's honestly kind of not a bad thing. How do you... What do you got next? What is it? I I have one more bad thing also. Well, I I just said my third item. So did you say your third or... Oh, um, I had long drives was my third. Oh, so do you want to... My next one one is the camp fuel debacle. Oh, yeah. That was sort of eclipsed by me losing my wallet before we bought the camp fuel for me. The second camp fuel, yeah, because we were trying to figure out what we were going to eat for the weekend, and I feel like we didn't do a good job planning our food. Not it worked really. out. Like, it, it was out. fine. But just that whole planning session of our meals and getting the food felt so helter-skelter to me, and then we ended up getting... We debated so long of whether or not to get camp fuel, because we're like, we're going to use it once, we're not going to be able to bring it back, do we want to, like, commit to this? And we were like, yeah, we we want to. One hot meal will be worth it. So we got camp fuel, and then later realized we got the wrong kind that didn't work with my stove. Yeah. And then we couldn't return it. So then we were like, well, we still want the hot meal. Like, we bought the hot meal, so now we're like, we have to have fuel to make it worth it. So it was kind of like a sunk cost thing. And then we ended up having to go to get another camp fuel. Yeah. So we made basically a wasted trip to Walmart to return it, and then had to go somewhere else to get the right fuel. It yeah. just wasted a lot yeah, of Yeah, because we weren't even able to return it. We just gave it to somebody at REI. Yeah, which we made their day, so that was kind of yeah. nice. Um, and then when we were buying the second camp fuel was when we realized that Jay had lost his wallet. So, <laughs> Including the card that gives me a 10% discount on REI items. Yeah, so that was kind of a lot of things came together at that moment. Yeah. But, but that was my last bad thing. So now we're yeah. getting into kind of the medium things. Yeah, so my first medium thing was uh, getting stood up by Craig Angles. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a bummer. And you'll notice that I said both of his names because he is kind of a famous person. Um, so I think 2019 US champ for the 1500? Yeah. Yeah, so really fast guy. Um, we saw him running when, uh, during one of our morning runs. Um Thankfully, it just so happened to be a run where Brian and I were both running quickly. Uh, we were doing kind of a yeah. workout, so we're just like, okay, we look cool so for Craig, check. Looked pretty legit, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he gave us a wave. It was a great moment. We said, like, I saw him, and I was like, Craig! And then he was like, what's up? Yeah. And then he just, like, gave us a little mini salute. And it was yeah. just cool to see him, because he's, like, he's 
not the best runner that we follow, but he's definitely the biggest personality for a distance runner. He's the most beloved distance yeah. runner in America, I would he's say. He's the best. He's so nice. He's just like yeah. goofball. And then he, yeah, and then he did win the national title in 2019. Yeah. So, so he's like, he's pretty was one good. year. There was one year he was the fastest miler in the United States. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, he's like running the Olympics multiple times. Yeah, uh, so like in the American scene, he's a really good 1,500-meter runner, but it's just not that often that American 1,500-meter runners are relevant on the world stage. Um, mm-hmm. So... We saw him, but then, then he's also he's oh. also just a cool guy. Like he, when he's in towns, he'll like hit people up and be like, "Hey, what bar should I go to?" And he'll like get drinks with people. Like I know yeah. a handful of people that have cool Craig Engel stories. Yeah, he's just a he's an approachable guy. So then that prompted us to after the run say, "Hey, Craig, great to see you on the trail." We messaged him on Instagram. We said, "Hey, Craig, great to see you this morning. Do you want to come back and play spike ball?" And then he said. Yo, ha ha ha! I'm coming back at 3:15 to play or whatever. Some he said we're playing at 3:15. I think. Yeah, he made it sound like he already had plans with his friends to come to that park and play spike ball anyway. Yeah, so we were all excited. We kind of planned our day around it, and then he just kind of never showed up. Yeah, so and then he did fun. message us later. He messaged us later and say, "Oh, sorry, I just saw this." Even though he did I- see a message of ours 19 minutes after we sent it. Or something. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. We got the read receipt. Yeah, so he saw it. I don't know. He's it was We're not holding it against him. <laughs> just a little bit, maybe. But um he's obviously <laughs> like I he's a kind of famous person. If he was like and he's in a town with probably a bunch of friends of his, if he like halfway made mm-hmm. a plan to go play spike ball and then doubled back on those, like that's something I would do. Like Yeah. Um, you're trying to figure out your day. Anyways, so that was kind of a bummer. But we did get to, like, see him and then also kind of DM him for a while to maybe hang out with him. It was just kind of a bummer that it fell apart. Um, but... I've got a my, couple medium things for you, Jay. That's my last bad thing. The rest of them are good things. Because okay. there were a lot of good things. So, like, I doesn't it doesn't just jump into medium. Like, the next things on the list I'm I'm really excited about. Okay. I have a few mediums. I'll try. I'll kind of fire through them because they're medium. We don't need to spend time on them. Yeah. But one, one was that all my flights were on time. I feel like given all of the travel difficulties and travel woes, yeah. I will say it all executed as planned. No flights were delayed. No flights yeah. were canceled. That could have really made it a lot worse. I had one flight delayed um, by like thirty minutes, and I didn't even understand that it was delayed until I was on the plane because I had, was like sure. sleeping before it. It was my midnight Vegas one. I woke up out gotcha. of a fugue state, and I was like, huh, like, we're boarding now? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, my next medium thing was uh, the backflips we did off the swing. <laughs> because yeah. I messed it up. It was kind of painful, but also it was a good memory. So that was just a goofy moment that I was like, well, that kind of hurt. Yeah, we were swinging. That's kind of an earmark in the trip. It was a good break. I want to break down that brother moment because this is kind of, uh, I'd say, characteristic of your mine and yours relationship. And it's a pretty quick uh, yeah. little narrative. But we're sitting there swinging on a swing set just for fun after the track meet. And um, for no reason. In a beautiful <laughs> park. Uh, but we. Uh, we're swinging. Yeah, because right? we needed. I was like, we need to get to Portland as quick as possible so we can go to sleep and make our flights. Yeah. But then you were like, you like walked over to the swing set, and I yeah. was like, what are you doing? And you're like, I just want to swing for a little bit. And I was like, 
okay, yeah, let's swing. <laughs> so then we were swinging, and um, at one point I said, "We're at first we were talking about man, this is like really like this is." Making me feel like it's the feeling when you go over a hill in a car and your stomach drops, or like when you drop on a roller coaster. I was like getting that, and I'm just like, I am like yeah. wincing and like I'm uncomfortable, and like this is an intense experience. I don't easily get motion sick, and I was getting motion sick on those swings. I don't yeah. know if there was something going on with those swings, if I was just still a little tipsy from the simple spiked simply juices that we had. But yeah, I don't, I just think that we don't swing on swing sets very often anymore. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, but I, at one point I just said, hey, Brian, you think you, you could do a backflip off these still? Because <laughs> I knew it was something that we used to do. Mm-hmm. And I was just With like, that, and I was like, that seems ludicrous right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you said, given yeah, the fact that we are getting, <laughs> yeah, given the fact that we are getting motion sickness and feeling uncomfortable just from being on the swing, yeah. the thought of backflipping off one seemed a little unattainable. But then you said, yeah, I could do it. <laughs> yeah. And I said, all right, do it. <laughs> and then... <laughs> yeah, so I, like, took off my sunglasses, put down all my stuff, and, yeah. like, got on. Did a couple, like, test, like, lean backs as I was going up. Like, I was like, okay, I can see this. Yeah. And I, I, I'll, I will say I was probably still not at my peak as far as, uh, motor skills. Yeah. <laughs> I had I had, like, two drinks, I think. Yeah, that was and not then, a factor in my head. Yeah, it was a little bit to me. I was blaming a lot on the two drinks that I had had <laughs> hours before. But, uh, yeah, went to do it, overshot the rotation, and, like, stumbled backwards. I think the swing kind of came down on the back of my neck. <laughs> and then, or at least I, like, fell backwards, and then the no, swing swung back, the swing and then swung you, yeah. forward, yeah, into me. <laughs> so, not very, uh... yeah. Not very beautiful. Not very well executed. Yeah, so then I, you did that. And I was sitting there thinking, like, oh, man, I feel... And whenever I realize that I've lost a skill, I get sad. So I was just like, man, I was already scared. Now Brian, like, biffed it. And then I said, that looks that looks scary. I'm definitely not doing it now. And then you said, what was the line? I think I said, oh, come on, getting hurt's not that bad. Yeah, I was like, that looks like it hurt. And you were just like, I mean, yeah, but, like, getting hurt's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, you're right." Because <laughs> I thought to myself, "It's like, okay, I don't think there's an amount that I could hurt myself in this moment that would be that bad." Like we're not exactly. I th <laughs> I think in a lot of cases, people are too afraid of a little bit of pain. Yeah. Kids are fearless in those situations. As you get older, it's more scary, and I guess you become more less durable as you get older. That's what I said. You are have bouncy. more. Yeah, and as now that we're larger beings, we can generate more force yeah. with which to hurt ourselves. So, I think it goes both ways, but regardless. I was like, if I if I really mess up flipping off this swing, worst case scenario, I land on my neck. Yeah. And so I'm like, like it's not going like to be preserve that bad. Your neck, you're fine. And I didn't think that I was going <laughs> to accidentally land directly on top of my head. But, um, so then after, like, a one-sentence convincing... <laughs> Yeah. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to try it. So then I try it, and I under-rotate, because I'd seen you over-rotate. So then I landed yeah. in, like, a bear crawl stance. <laughs> yeah. Which seemed a lot more, uh, a lot nicer than how I landed. Yeah, my feet were the first thing to contact the ground, and then, like, catching yourself on your hands is a lot better than falling backwards and trying to catch yourself on, like, your wrists or something. Yeah. 
Um, and I did not get hit by the swing because I was in bear right, crawl you stance. <laughs> yeah. Um, and got the whole thing on video too. So keep your eyes peeled for the vlog. Yeah. Um, well, my next item, Brian, is a... Uh, Wait, I have not... one more medium what? thing. Oh, you, well, you're firing through your list, man. I'm going to have a lot to do. Well, the next medium thing was just the van. We've kind of already talked about it. Okay. I just liked it because it was such a goofy-looking vehicle, but it was exactly what we needed. Yeah. I was so excited that about an... picking that up and then that... showing it to you. That was one of my honorable mentions was, um, I called it, um, sleeping in the musk bucket. <laughs> Oh gosh! Because it did get pretty. It got. It smelled like two men were living in there. <laughs> yeah, and it was definitely yeah stuffy yeah. by the mornings, but, um, but yeah, if you look up Nissan NV two hundred, yeah, that's the car we had. It was like a van, like a cargo van, but scaled down yeah. to the size of like a crossover. It being stuffy led to a weird argument where like I said that I think we should leave the windows down because it'd be warmer. And you said we should leave the windows up, down. down, because it would make it cooler. It would make it less stuffy, yeah. So, it was... Yeah, because I said rolling the windows down would make it less stuffy, therefore cooler and more comfortable. And, and I you said, said leaving the windows down would make it warmer. Less, because it was less wet. Yeah. But I don't think it was ever wet. It was just stuffy. And I was saying that I think it's going to get cold at the same time. Regardless of whether we had the windows up or down. Which it did not. It was a weird... We were like going to sleep at the same time too. So we were just like half oh. arguing. But um, anyhow. I still don't understand your logic though. How opening the windows and letting cool air in would make it warmer. That's why... Well, it might be different in tents, because, like, tent provides nearly no thermal help. Yeah. But it's, like, physically colder if you just leave it closed, because then you're sealing in all the moisture that you're releasing from your body. So then, like, you wake up damp. I don't think that's true. I think it is true. Okay, we'll table it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever left a tent completely sealed? Like, there's moisture on the inside in the morning. I don't think there is. Whatever, Brian. There's a reason they have vents <laughs> on a tent, guys. Um, anyhow, so yeah, the van was definitely a character in the story. Um, my next point, uh, the first good one, um, just the least good one that I listed, um, was hanging out in the park that one day after before the first day of going to the actual meet. So yeah, had, that's my next point so, too. Yeah, so we had our food situation figured out. Um, we stopped at a river, we rinsed off in the river, it was like the perfect temperature to sit in it for a little while, and it like was cold and refreshing, mm -hmm. um, but we had had some food, we had some drinks, some of that simply spiked lemonade, um, yeah, and then we walked to a park and just sort of laid on a grassy hill in the sun, and we were just vibing. Yeah. We, having got our workout in, and then sat in the cool river, the, yeah. the like icy river, not icy, we think the water was probably, like, high 50s. Yeah. So it was cold, but it felt good after a run and, like, on a hot day. And then yeah. we got out and laying in the sun. It was just, like, the perfect sequence and combination of things that we were just like, this is amazing. And this was the first day in Eugene coming off of our terrible travel and losing all of our stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was like, wow, I'm so glad this trip turned around and it's just so nice and we're so happy right now. Yeah, it was great. Um, it's just a, a a trademark good day. Yeah. 
But, um, but moving on from that, I said my next good point, or wait, you, you want to go next or wait, that was, that was similar for us. So I can just go again. Mm -hmm. Um, I said seeing various famous runners was really exciting. Okay. Yeah. I didn't have that anywhere on the list, but yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. So we saw like Craig Angles in the park at the same park. We saw Stewie McSwain, the fastest 1500 meter runner in Australia. Um, Mm -hmm. he's a bigger deal in Australia than Craig Angles is in America. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like everyone like, loves because he McSwain. also he's a better he's faster than Craig, so he's like kind of a threat on the world stage. Um, is he like objectively faster than him, or is he just like more effective in finals? I'd say I'd say he's objectively faster. Yeah, so he's that was cool to see him. We saw Bryce Hopple just like hanging out randomly in the stands when we were walking around. Mm-hmm. He's a good American eight hundred meter runner. Um. Not to mention all the people we got to see in races, but then, yeah, and all the people we didn't know. Like, we would just see random, like, we would yeah. say, oh, there's the Italian team warming up, like, in this park. Yeah. And you see people walking around Eugene with their bibs on and in their yeah. jerseys, and I'm like, hey, you're one of the best in the world at what you do. Yeah, walking, I don't know who you are, but that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> walking back to our car, we saw a couple of female throwers. We're just like, huh. Uh-huh. But, yeah. yeah. And they're just chatting, just walking around. It's like, yeah. they're people, too. But cool stuff. Um, did you want to list one of yours? No, you keep them coming because I okay. the last I only have two more and they're okay. really good things and I know they're going to be on your list. Okay, yeah. So I have three left. So my next one is Kara Winger javelin throw. Okay. Yeah. I I just grouped the whole meet as like one thing. Oh, I have no idea how we're going to line up on ours then. Um. Yeah, I might have forgotten some big positives, but uh, at one point, uh, we were watching Javelin Finals for women, and mm-hmm. you're just watching them, like, you. we have live at the meet a 55-meter line and a 65-meter line, so then we knew that if it was closer to the 65 than the 55, it was a really good throw. Um, mm-hmm. So then we're watching these go, and... Um, we know where some of the marks are. One throw was way out there, but then Kara Winger was a really, we could tell she was legit. We, she had some accolades to her name, but, um, she had been bumped down to like out of the medals for sure. I think like fifth or sixth. Um, she was sixth. Yeah. Also best, best female javelin thrower for the United States. Yeah. So we're watching and the way they do it is they get, they each get six throws, but then once they get down to the last, they save the last eight people their last throw and then once they get down to just them all having one throw left they start at the eighth place or is that what they do yeah they start at eighth right. place and they go up to one so then we get to kara winger on the her last throw and she gets the cloud the crowd clapping and just the way like the people in field events get the crowd clapping you've seen it happen in the olympics probably but a lot of times it's just one section of the stadium. Sometimes the clap, it's like it starts out together, and then once they stop, people speed mm-hmm. up at different rates. So it's not that good. Yeah. Cause, yeah. And a lot of times there's multiple things happening at the track. There's multiple yeah. field events, maybe a race going on, so not everybody's watching it. But yeah. at this point, it's the Javelin final, and we're in between races, so everybody's watching Javelin. Yeah, so she got the cr- crowd clapping, and I think the, the, the real trick was that she started out really slowly. 
But then mm-hmm. immediately you could tell the entire stadium was locked in, perfectly timed with their claps. So the entire stadium was just this like earth shattering clap. And then yeah. we're all starting, and then you see, and you just like get this feeling in your chest. You're just like, something's big about, big's about to happen. You see her going, and she just completely launches it. And I did she go less than or more than sixty five meters? So well, hold on. So at the release, then all the clapping yeah. stops. So the stadium is silent, and the javelin is sailing through the air. And you can tell it was a good throw. It's flying through. You're like, that's a good one. And it lands like right just before the 65 line. Yeah, which we knew only, I think maybe one went above it. So then at that point, we're yeah. just like, the whole, everybody in the stands stands up and we all immediately erupt. It's like. Yeah, because it's United States home field advantage. Yeah. And just the whole stadium erupts in applause. And it was like the coolest it was like a movie. Yeah, like, it was like, like the a producer would set that up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like the clapping, the build, the crescendo, and then just silence as You're it like sails this. through the air yeah. and sticks in the ground, and then just yeah, it was like and it was freaking out. Oh my god, it was the satisfying thing where it's like I don't know. In trials for USA, sometimes it's like people finish, but then it's like oh, first place didn't have the standard to qualify for Worlds, so really, second, third, and fourth made it. Or, like, sometimes you can't really tell, or, like, oh, we're waiting for it to measure, we're waiting to measure the long yeah. jump, we don't know if it if they won or not. But this was, like, we had the clear line, the way that the throws were situated around it, you knew right when it stuck in the ground, everyone's just like, she just meddled! Like, yeah. hell yeah! <laughs> so it was crazy. Um, yeah, that was so cool. But that was really good. And so that was my Yeah, so she three. ended up she ended up moving up to second place. Yeah. And then, so a few people got to throw after her also, but she held second. She yeah. ended up getting the silver medal, which I think is the first um, world championships medal that the American women have ever got. For javelin, yeah. In javelin, yeah. And then all the javelin people took a full victory lap. It was great. <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyways, what's your... So uh, what I did for... Wh- what I did for the meet is uh, track meet in general was my number one thing of the trip, which yeah. I think is good. <laughs> yeah. um, but then I just broke down all the cool things that I saw at the meet in order also. Yeah. So, um, but then before that, I had hanging out with Kevin and Jason. <laughs> yeah. I so think- what do you want to talk about? Do you want to run through the event or do you want to talk about hanging out with them? Well, hanging out with Kevin and Jason is my number two. Okay, so the same for me, because I just lumped everything at the meet together. So let's yeah. just talk about that. So, yeah, so one oh, of the man. highlights of going out to the meet is that we knew. So we listened to one running news podcast, and it's House of Run. Yeah, the hosts are Kevin and Jason. They ran in high school in Las Vegas. Yeah, and just like love running, are big fans of running. So then after they graduated, I don't know when, but they started this podcast, and I think the podcast has gained a lot of popularity. Maybe. Yeah, so podcast has gained a lot of popularity. There's a fairly large community around it. So anytime there's a big meet like this, you either Olympics, World Championships, whatever, U.S. Championships, they'll usually arrange some meetups. So it's like we met with the group one morning to run, and yeah. we met Kevin there. Um. But then we also met up with a group of people after the first day that we were there. Um, And I was picturing, too, I didn't know how big their audience is or how big these meetups are. So I was picturing, like, 
a, a pretty good crowd or a pretty good group. I was yeah. picturing like maybe 10 or 12 people getting like a big table yeah. and all hanging out. And I was like, maybe we'll get to talk to them a little bit, but it'll just be cool to be in their presence. Mm-hmm. But then, so we went to the Wild Duck, which is one of the only places that anyone can go in Eugene after the meet. Well, and I, it's, I just uh, want to say that, well, because they have a listenership of, they said roughly like a, like a few thousand people. They get on yeah. each, like, episode, maybe. Um, which, I, first of all, I had no conception of how big they were. But then there's a smaller contingent of people that email in to the podcast. So mm-hmm. it's weird because we knew they weren't too big because they read all of the emails. But then we knew that they were big enough that they had a decent amount of popularity. And it was... Yeah. So it was just... It's weird because they're, like, famous to us. But then we just get to meet them and hang out with them, like, casually. Yeah. Yeah, and their podcast is still small enough, like, it's not sponsored, they don't get ads or anything. They could easily get sponsored Um, with the amount of listeners they have. They could, for sure, but they've chosen not to. It's just a hobby thing that they like to do. Um, But anyways, so we go to the Wild Duck to meet up with them after the meet. This was uh, Jason's last night there, so we were lucky to run into him. And then Mm -hmm. Kevin had to stay at the meet, because he actually works for uh, Flowtrack, a track media company, so he had to do, like, interviews and stuff afterwards. But we meet up with Jason at this bar, and it's just Jason and two other people walk in and see us. And we're like, oh, hey. And then we're hanging out, talking, whatever. But then the other two people end up leaving mm-hmm. fairly early, I would say. Yeah. So then it's just Jay, me, and Jason yeah. hanging out. And we were just chatting. So then, like... Yeah, we, we hung out at the Wild Duck for a while, and then we weren't really getting any service because it was super packed. So then we went to this Indian restaurant next door. And it was, like, super and quiet. And got Indian food. Like, yeah. And it, yeah. And <laughs> just hung out with him um, for a while. Kevin eventually finished up at the track meet and then ran over to the Indian restaurant. And met, he got food and met up with us. And, yeah, it was just us four sitting at this table, just, like, talking track, talking about anything. Yeah, eating Indian and it food. Was, <laughs> I, if you had told me at the beginning of the night that we would have been in that situation, I would have been infinitely nervous. Yeah. But the way it all came together was so casual and normal that, like, I had to take a step back in the moment and be like, I can't believe I'm here right now. Yeah, it was wild. It was so fun. Um, Yeah, because it's just like, I don't know, we... I figured, like, oh, they're going to be there for the meetup and, like, they're going to be, like, the bell of the ball. Everyone's going to want to talk to Kevin and Jason but then it's like, no, it's like me and Brian got to hang out with Kevin and Jason at the, like, at the meet. And it was awesome. Like, it was, yeah. and it was just, you. we talked about this ad nauseum while we were there, not in front of them, because that would have been a little weird. But uh, it was, <laughs> it was such a, it was such an easygoing conversation because you and I are super close and they are both super close. And then we are have a common interest, and we have a bunch of inside jokes because we've been listening to them. We've been listening to them have a conversation for about an hour every week for four years, or I have yeah. for like four or five. Yeah, yeah. So like inside jokes from the podcast are essentially inside jokes between us four. So it's like yeah. you can make a random little quip, and it's like, oh, haha! Like I know what you're referencing, and it it was like discuss it. It was like, imagine that you have, like, a favorite actor in a movie or something, or, like, a favorite musical artist, or a podcast host, imagine, and then you just, like, get to see them, and you remember that you're really good friends. 
Yeah. It's like, oh, shoot. Like, or, like, I don't know. It's it's just, yeah, it was, it was an interesting dynamic where it's like you get to meet people that, like, you're huge fans of and are kind of, like, have a certain amount of celebrity to you. But then it's like, oh, they kind of know me already. And, like, they're chill to just hang out with me right now. Yeah. And it was also, uh, since we email into the show, when we first saw Jason, he, we were wearing, we were wearing House of Run shirts, shirts yeah. from the podcast. So he looked over and saw us and he's like, oh, there's two House of Run shirts. These, these are probably guys we're looking for. Yeah. Um, so then he came up and he's like, hey, I'm Jason. And we're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> um, I'm like, hey, I'm Brian. And then you're like, oh, and, and I'm Jay. And he's like, oh, wait. So, uh, and I was like, yeah, Brian Wilson, not the Beach Boy. And he's like, like, oh. <laughs> and he was like excited to meet us because yeah, we emailed him to the show. Yeah, everyone has a different and we're email. We're like, we're the guys from Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because yeah. I didn't realize how few people email in with regard to how many listeners they have. Uh-huh. So like, because yeah. there's probably like, I'd say 40 people maybe who have ever emailed in. Or like who email in regularly, I'd say. Yeah, semi-regularly. Yeah, regular, I'd say, is like 20 to 30. Yeah, there's some people who email in every week, and then there's a, a larger group of people like Brian and I who email in like maybe once a like month or so. Every month or two. Every month yeah. or two, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it was... And, like, we talk about Cincinnati all the time. Like, Cincinnati's become a meme on the uh, on the podcast that they, like, kind of make <laughs> yeah. fun of. And it's just... That was, that was kind of funny. But, like, so we were, like, kind of, like, these characters that they knew of but then mm-hmm. we finally got to like meet them and that was just it was so cool yeah. <laughs> just, yeah just on the spectrum of how meeting someone you like meeting a celebrity can go yeah from like oh they blew me off or like we hung out and it was a little awkward and weird this was like as good as meeting a celebrity could possibly have gone yeah or meeting like this kind of meetup I think it's the best it possibly could have gone. Yeah. Aside from, like, organically it, it, running into somebody and then, like, saying... And then them being like, hey, do you want to hang out all weekend? Like, or something. Like, yeah. It's... I don't even know if that would have been as good. But, like, yeah, it's just... Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, like you said, it was like meeting up with old friends. Yeah. It was awesome. But, uh... So that was definitely a wild experience. But, uh... So yeah. I only have one so left. Yeah, because the number one for me was just the meat and everything we saw at the meat. Okay. And I I had four highlights that I put in order. Okay, because my number one was, well, I guess we I can just wait till if you say mine, because mine was one specific thing from the meat. Okay, yeah, my so bottom you know. one. Yeah. So I have my top four. Number four was uh, getting to see a world record. Yeah, so that was, <laughs> I was, I meant to list that on my list, but then I forgot because it was so lame. Yeah. So then I it was, I, it was us, an honorable mention a- for me because I thought it was funny that I forgot to list it because it was so nonchalant. Yeah. yeah, us seeing a world record was as much as you could just check a box. Yeah, seeing a world record if you could because it was Sydney McLaughlin broke the world record in the 400 meter hurdles again. I think yeah. this is the third or fourth time she's broken it just by make, setting her own PR. Yeah. And we've talked about it going into the meet, how she just doesn't get excited anymore. She's not yeah. really, like, an exciting runner to watch. It's she's cool exci- how dominant she's an exciting she is. runner to watch. She's not an exciting personality to watch post-run. Because she's so stoic. Right. And... Yeah. Like, I saw an interview with her, and because... After... Because, okay. So she broke her own world record by nearly a second. 
Which is insane because it's already been broken four times in the last two years. Yeah. So, it is out of this world how how much she's lowered that world record and yeah, how fast she's it gone. Was, it was at 52-4 before either Dalila Muhammad or Cindy McLaughlin broke this record, right? Then yeah. Cindy McLaughlin and Del- I'll just say Sydney and Dalila, they race each other. Dalila breaks it. Sydney doesn't, but she PRs. Delilla breaks it and Sydney break it, but Delilla breaks it by more the next time they face. So they break it again. Next time they meet up, Sydney breaks it. I don't know if Delilla broke it. And then Sydney broke it again the next time that they met up. So it had been yeah. broken four consecutive head to head matchups between them. And then this was the next one. And she had. Yeah. She had broken it in the last time she had run it. So we're just like, okay, this is a more important meet. She broke it at the American Trials for this. She's probably going to break it at this race. That's a big reason we bought tickets for this day. Um, Right. So, but then for her to break it by another nearly second was insane. Yeah, another .8 seconds, I think. And this is in a world, this is in a world where a tenth of a second is significant. Yeah. And over the past two years, they've lowered the record by almost two yeah, More they, than lo- two they lowered seconds? it from 52-4 to 51-4? No, now it, it's, I think it was 50.6 that she ran. Yeah, so they lowered it from 52-4 nearly like to 51-4-ish. I think 51-4-1. Yeah. Because then they broke then it by this like race, she ran tenths. 50. Yeah. Yeah. Which is So insane. yeah, over the past... Over the past two years, they've lowered it almost two seconds in a world where tenths of a second are significant. Yeah, if you can just imagine, like, go and look up the video of it if you if you want to see it because it's a uh, it's just startling because eight tenths of a second doesn't sound like a lot when you watch what that looks like on the track in a four hundred meter race. She's like thirty meters ahead of everybody, and they're yeah. and she's How... thir- she's like thirty meters ahead of the the people who are numbers two through seven in the world at this event yeah i was thinking about how because we've been watching sydney she's only 23 22 22. yeah so we've seen her come up from high school so we've watched high school meets when she was running world-class times yeah and just blowing out high schoolers and it was like comical to watch yeah and then she went to college and she blew out college runners, it and it was comical yeah. to watch. And she's proceeded to improve more and more, and now we're watching her blow out everyone in the world. Yeah. And it's not even close. Yeah, it's insane. Like, she looks like she, she looks like she's running in a different league, like yeah. in a different race. I watched a post-race interview with her recently, yeah. and I felt kind of mean for saying, like, oh, it was the most boring world record that's ever happened. Because it kind of was. She was just, like, sitting on the ground afterwards. I, I made the comment that it looked like she was waiting to see if she made it into the final um, after yeah. she had broken the world record. <laughs> but uh, she was saying that she was just really just trying to take in the moment because she says a lot of the times it's like the race is over and, you, and, you're, and like you're through the moment before you even realize what's happening. And then it's just mm-hmm. done. So she said she was really just trying to sit there and soak it all in. But she just, yeah. yeah, she finished the race and sat down on the track, like, intermittently smiling for, like, a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, and that's what she does after most races, is she, yeah, yeah she, like, collapses and kind of does that sit-kneel thing on the track, yeah. and then is just blank face, like, looking around. So if yeah. that's what she's doing, I have a little respect for that, I guess. Yeah, so, like, I was just like, okay. And I, I obviously, she just did an incredible feat of athleticism, like, 
she can do whatever the hell she wants. She's the world champion and the world record holder. But uh, I was kind of just like kind of joking around about like how like nonchalant and boring it was. But um, what was I going to say? Because there's that aspect of it. But then, uh, oh, the other athletes said, somebody asked the question, do you think it's possible to run 49 seconds in the 400 meter hurdles? Because it was 52.4 a few years back. And now it's 50.68 is the record. So they said, do mm-hmm. you think 49 seconds is possible? And then I think the other, the other second and third both said, I think Sydney can. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. What did Sydney respond? I didn't see it. Okay. But that's yeah. funny. But yeah, just because of her, uh, her lack of excitement over it, her lack of visual excitement over it, at least put it at the bottom of the most yeah. of exciting things that I saw. Yeah, there. I watched when um, I watched the race on the, um, because the stadium was clapping loudly. But when I watched the race on the NBC coverage, that was mm-hmm. more exciting. Really? Because okay, you have people calling the race and it was saying crazy how to, fast yeah, it, it was, is. It was crazy to see the gap she had, and like we were all going nuts because um, we knew it was going to be an insanely fast time. But listening to the announcers go crazy, like they were more excited than the event was exciting in the moment. <laughs> like it was right. like, and I I figure some races go that way, and other things go the other way. Yeah, but it was kind of just funny like how that works. Like that race, that race, you almost need someone explaining how how impressive it is as it's happening because yeah. you can't really tell you don't really have any good reference points there yeah but uh because then some other some other events we could tell how impressive it was as it was happening like the javelin you mentioned yeah like we didn't need anyone explaining to us how significant that was because yeah. we just knew and then i don't know i want to talk about the other ones but we can kind of circle back to the context there um, so the next one above Sydney's world record, so number three I have was seeing Mondo Duplantis pole vault. Oh, that all. was wild, yeah. Even though it was just qualifiers. Sure. Which then, I think this is a good comparison to make here, because, so Mondo Duplantis is, is it Duplantis or Duplantis? I think you can do either. Do you know? Okay. Well, Mondo, he's far and away the best pole vaulter in the world. Much like... Sydney is the best 400 meter hurdler in the world. Yeah, he's destroying so, everybody. He has been for a while. Yeah, so we got to see the pole vault um, prelims or the qualification round. So it's basically you just need to clear a certain height and then you're into the final. Or you need to be in the top 12 and then you're into the final. So they're doing these bars and everybody else pole vaulting is like, you can tell it's an effort to make it over. Yeah, like, like some people are making it, some people aren't. People get pumped once they make it. Yeah. And then Mondo has to vault to qualify in, and he's like, oh, okay, here we go. Like, gets yeah. up, grabs his pole, and goes. Which, by and the nature of pole vault, it's dramatic, because they come in with however many guys they have, it, and they need to narrow it down. So it's like, the only way to get in is for other people to fail. Yeah. So you're jumping until you whittle it down to 12 guys. Yeah, so, so you just have to, like, stay yeah. alive. And it's never going to be, like, easy for everyone to qualify, which it never is, because that's the nature of qualifications. But, like... You go in and there's people on the border who are just trying to jump out of their mind to get into the final. Mm-hmm. But and then Mondo comes up to do his qualification vault and just flies over the bar as if it were an accident. Yeah, he almost went further than the pit because he had so much like 
horizontal speed too. Like he wasn't, you could tell he wasn't like effortfully going up and down. He just like soars over the bar by feet. Yeah. Yeah, like, you see people trying to just squeak over the bar, get their center of gravity just over it. He looks like he could have vaulted up, let go of his pole, and then stood on top of the bar. He looked like he could have vaulted over seven bars stacked horizontally, like, past each other. Like, like he was going for height and distance. (laughs) Yeah, which should be an event now that we mention it. (laughs) But yeah, so that was just crazy, because it's one of those things, like, I know he's so much better than everyone else, Mm -hmm. but then just to see it personified in that way was like, oh my gosh, he is way better than everyone else. Yeah. Like, even LaVillainy, who was, like, his rival for a while, was like, you could tell he had to make a serious effort to clear this bar, and then Mondo just, like, backflips over it. (laughs) Like, Yeah, it was pretty wild to see. Um... But so that was really cool. And then, so the point I want to make here is, so he's that dominant also. When he breaks his world record... He screams. He's lit up. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of more in the pole vaulter's blood, I feel like. Because mm-hmm. there's such a crux of a moment that then you know you've done it. Mm-hmm. And you're like celebrating on your fall down to the mat. But And you're not physically exhausted different... right after you have done it. That's true. I don't know. So that was just my next point. Yeah. Um... Next one up was the javelin throw that you mentioned. We already talked about that. So that, mm-hmm. that was my second favorite highlight of the meet, I think. Mm-hmm. And then highlight of the meet was the men's 200 final. Yeah, that's yeah, self-explanatory. Takes uh, the cake. Us. But uh yeah, so we were that was the race that was by far the most exciting that we were excited for. Like it was going in, this was the race that we had our eyes on. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember if we got it just because that day had a decent amount of finals or if we knew that we were going there to see Lyles because we bought the tickets a year ago and runners get injured, people have weird seasons, we don't know how events are going to stack up, but then the more we were watching the season we saw the men's 200 getting really exciting because mm-hmm. young kid, 18 year old Arian Knighton runs a historically, like I think third fastest time ever, fourth, fourth fastest time ever. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Noah Lyle's not running that fast, but he's having a better season, so he's like consistently building. We don't know who which one of them's going to win. We're very excited. Mm-hmm. And it just all builds to that event happening at the end of the first day that we're there. Yeah. And I like and then it was just so good. So we were It was better to then. see live, which was the crazy. It was like so much so obviously amazing to see it live. Yeah. So then, so that whole build-up, we're expecting to see Noah Lyles versus Arian Knight in this showdown. In the American Championships, they, it was neck-and-neck neck to the line. Yeah. And Noah it was, Lyles it beat was him crazy. Two hundredths of a second. And pointed yeah. at him as so we were, <laughs> so, so we were like, here's the rematch at the World Championships. Who's going to get it? It's going to be neck-and-neck. Neck. This will be amazing. And then I was kind of bummed we weren't closer to the finish line because I was like, it's going to be hard to tell who wins from this angle. Yeah. And, but I was like, we still get to see it. Yeah. So they had different build-ups to their clashing, but then at their first clash, we saw a 200th gap between them. And we're just like, yeah. holy shit, what's going to happen at the finals? <laughs> yeah. So then, 
And they run different races, too. So Arian Knighton is better yeah. at the first half, and Noah Lyles is usually slower in the first half, but then makes a big comeback down the final stretch. So in the American Championships, it was Noah Lyles, like, slowly creeping up on Arian Knighton, and then yeah. they cross together. Which is not necessarily so then, a strategy thing for those of you who aren't that into running. It's like, Noah Lyles just isn't a great starter, factually, and Arian Knighton is. And then Noah Lyles has an yeah. insane top-end speed, and then... Mm-hmm. And some people like, just aren't as yeah. good at running the curve, so if they can't, they can't really light out on the curve. Yeah. And that, so then once they get to the straight, they just have more left, and they're able yeah. to kind of like kick it, kick it in a little bit. Anyways, we get to the final of the World Championships in the 200, and they go, and it's kind of hard to tell what's going on around the curve because everyone's staggered. But then once they get around to the straight, you can tell like everyone should be even. Yeah. And. Noah Lyles was just way out in front. Which he usually isn't at the first And we're like, (laughs) yeah, we're like, he does not run a good curve. He's usually, like, coming back down the stretch. And we're like, he's already in front. And I'm like, no way anyone's catching him. And I heard some people around us going like, Arian's catching up, Arian's catching up. I'm like, no, he's not. There's no way. Noah Lyles is, like, (laughs) taking this home. And, yeah, he just obliterated the the field. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm and we're just like this is a good field that had to have been an amazing time. So then I'm looking up at the scoreboard trying to see what the time was and it was an American record. Yeah, well no, it came up he had tied the American record. Yeah, tied the American record. And <laughs> so he was like disappointed at first and he then was yelling at the like, clock. He was like, "Come on. Come on, don't do that to me." Yeah. <laughs> Because there's a slight gap where they just get, like, the initial time, and then they get the actual full automatic official time. So then it rounded down one hundredth of a second. So he broke the (laughs) record. 1931. So he broke the record. It was a Michael Johnson record from the 80s. Yeah. Which is sort of like the American equivalent of, like, beating a Bolt record. Like, they're kind of the most prestigious records that Americans have. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he just like rips his jersey open, screams, yeah, like he was over the moon, and rightfully so. Yeah, it was. And, yeah. He made the show out of breaking that record that we want Sydney to make out of breaking her record. Yeah, we want Sydney to rip her shirt off. Oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, <laughs> no, but uh, it was just he was so excited, and like Noah Lyles had like sort of a harrowing last two or three years um Mm -hmm. because he was a world beater nobody could touch him he was about to double into the 100 and try to win both maybe but then both the 100 and 200 fields got better so it was harder to win he got a little worse for for like a year he wasn't running as well Mm -hmm. as he was and then this season he just slowly built back and we're just like he's looking good he's looking good and then he just prs by two tenths of a second which is insane in the 200 um or nearly two tenths of a second and then mm-hmm. in PRs all the way into breaking the American record, like, yeah. come on. Oh, it was so good. It was perfect. It was the best race of the meet. Like, everyone knows it, and we were there for it, and it was perfect. Yeah. Like, rarely in track do you have a full storyline weave itself and then come to a satisfying climactic end, and that was just about as close as you could get, Yeah, I'd say. And, like, we know Aaron Knighton's going to be back. So we're going to have so mm-hmm. many good races between them, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I'm so excited. That was the highlight of the trip, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And just as a whole for the meet, I'll say I was kind of unsure 
as to whether being at the meet would be more exciting or not. Because I'm like, well, you don't really have as good of a view. And not you don't have the... Yeah, you don't have the commentators... Commenters? I don't know. You don't have them, like, explaining things as they're happening, calling things out. Um, so I was like, I don't know if this is going to be better or worse. And I think it was... Um, it was not in- as good in some ways, but I think as a whole... Like, the ways that it wasn't as good were mild and the ways that it was better were just so 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 much better like mm-hmm. being at the meet is so cool and so worth it yeah so that made me really happy i enjoyed it much more than i even expected to and i expected yeah. to enjoy it a lot it's like it was well worth it so much worth it that we were saying like we'd be willing to pay like at least twice as much money for like really good seats mm-hmm. um, yeah because we were in like the <laughs> we had like the worst seats at the stadium yeah so then, instead of sitting, we would just wander around to get a good vantage point for whatever was happening. So, like, for yeah. pole vault, we walked over to the pole vault pit. Mm-hmm. And uh, for whatever race, it's like, maybe we start went over by the first curve. Maybe we went over by the 200 start, whatever. Yeah. We also didn't mention getting to see the uh, Jamaican sweep in the 200. Oh, yeah, that was the other 200 final that happened that first day, which was also insane. That was nuts. That was also really cool. I don't know where that would fall on my list. Yeah, but Ooh. honestly, probably not as cool as the javelin. The javelin was just an unexpected treat. The javelin was lit. Yeah, that was almost rival for coolest moment for me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm close between that and the 200, just because it was such like such a good delivery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. A lot of track all, talk. Like how into the 200 we were. Aside, arguably uh-huh. like the best moment. Yeah, because just like how it came about like if you're all in on the javelin that would have been an insane moment (laughs) Uh uh-huh yeah but so yeah a lot of uh, a lot of track talk on this episode i feel like this episode a lot was for us this is one of those ones that i really feel like we'll look back on when we're older yeah so this wasn't and appreciate just to be like remember that trip remember that time all the random little things that were good and bad and whatever but it's our podcast, as we often say. So I hope I hope other people enjoyed the discussion, enjoyed hearing about our trip. Yeah. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, and I just uh what was it? Little side note. It was a it was great to um It was just great to see you, I think is an honorable mention. We don't hang out as much as we used to. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> like that was just an ad treat. It was like, oh, like, I, I was talking to Aaron before, and she said, oh, you guys are having, like, a, a brother's weekend? And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I guess we are. Like, it's just him and I going to see something that him and I care about the most in the family, probably. Like, yeah, it's like, it was it was something that you and I have shared for a long time that we planned a whole trip around. Or, well, you planned a trip mm-hmm. around. And that leads into my second sort of honorable mention, which was, like, when I was going through TSA, I already said this to you, but... um. They were going through my bag thing by thing and like opening all the pockets and swabbing. And then he sees I have a credit card with not my name on it. And I said, oh, yeah, my brother gave that to me because I lost my wallet. I had already had to explain that I had lost my wallet. He was like, ah, it's better than my sister would have done. I would have just gotten some along the lines of good luck. And then I was just like, yeah, like Brian is a pretty good brother. And it's like, well, he, he bought this plane ticket for me because I didn't have time. And then he planned this whole trip and like got the van, he got a hotel room with his hotel rewards points to make things easier, and then, like, just, it was, it was so nice to see you, and just, it was great to, it was such a good trip, and I, like, I don't know, I miss you, and it was great to hang out for a while. 
Yeah. 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 Always, always a pleasure to get some face-to-face -face J time. Yeah. But, anyhow. So, without further ado, should we move on to emails? Um, I have one more honorable mention. Oh, shoot. Lay it on me, buddy. Which was seeing our one of our high school track coaches. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're doing our tempo run on this trail shortly after we had seen Craig Angles. Yeah. We're coming up on this group of people walking, and one of the man leading the group just goes, Jay and Andrew Wilson. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> there are very <laughs> few people in this world that would call me Andrew. Yeah. He definitely knows us. Because also... One of the running jokes of the week was that people thought we were running in world championships whenever we yeah. talked about this. Like leading and then up even to some it. People on, yeah. <laughs> and then even some people on the trail, when they saw us running at a faster pace, would be like, good luck today. And we're like, thanks. <laughs> but then this guy <laughs> calls us out by name. And I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> and then uh, as I pass by, I'm like, my brain is doing that really quick, like shuffle through my, my contacts yeah. book. Meanwhile, and I then say, I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> we're almost done. We'll turn around. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, that was Coach Scorefield. <laughs> yep. So Yeah. So then we finished our tempo and then looped back and chatted with him for a while. <laughs> we're which, like, what are yeah. you doing here? And we were talking about how wild it is that we saw our old, well, not our old track coach, but he was the, a track coach when we were in track. So he was the women's coach um, for track mm -hmm. and cross country. And for just him to see us years later running on a trail yeah. like <laughs> across the then, country <laughs> like, yeah because then he uh yeah he asked us i forget you mentioned something about training yeah. and then he asked what we were training for and i was like well actually ge has a corporate track team and he's like of course they do <laughs> he's like so you're doing the same thing you were doing in high school right now Yeah, like we haven't like uh the broad strokes haven't changed like we're just mm -hmm. Doing our thing. We got a photo together. He sent it to our old cross-country and track coach, mm -hmm. whom we hold very dear. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just kind of like a, I don't know, reflection's always cool. And it's just like, oh man, <laughs> yeah, it's been so long. Uh-huh. Um, Funny. You reminded me to check my list because I saw that I had added a, another um, honorable mention. But the old baked goods. Oh yeah, Jay turned me on to a whole new... <laughs> Uh, money-saving and food-related thing that I had, had knew not of. Yeah. Which is the old baked goods rack in grocery stores. Yeah, so if a, if a grocery store has a bakery in it, then they almost always will have a section of baked goods that have been there a little too long and they don't they can't sell them at full price anymore. Mm -hmm. So then we, we stocked up. We got um, four cinnamon rolls with cream cheese frosting. We got four muffins for one of the breakfasts and we got a bag of rolls mm -hmm. to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with yeah blew my mind like that's yeah. the perfect place to go for a treat yeah because like, then you're treating yourself yeah. and you know you're saving money yeah, it was like four cinnamon rolls for a dollar yeah it's great so clutch yeah and like muffins muffins hold up everyone. they're moist oh yeah big time like they don't need to get rid of those for cheap but don't tell them that yeah. <laughs> Don't ruin it for everyone. Yeah, there might be some, like, rules on how long they can sell fresh baked goods, but I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, I'm sure there are. That was the last honorable mention from my list. Yep, that's all I got. Alright, emails? No emails. Well, Cletus, it looks like you can go home. <laughs> but, 
Anyhow, Brian, I thought you said we had emails. Oh, wait, you No, you lied I, to me. I personally have emails. Oh. Yeah. Can you see how that might be a misleading statement in the context of us doing a podcast? <laughs> I thought you were just curious about if I was, if I've been gotten any mail lately. You want me to read my personal emails? Well, it could be a fun new segment. <laughs> one of the, one of the items, no, not even one of the items on my honey drop list, is on sale. But it's mm. on the smart drop list, so they think I might want this, and it's on sale. It's a, uh, it's brake pads. <laughs> It's interesting. Kelly needs new brake pads. Maybe it's really smart. I don't think it's that smart. Side note, Brian, how much do brake pads cost? Um, I feel like these have got to be some quality brake pads because it's they're on sale for two hundred and six dollars. Oh jeez, how much are like the the little regular boys that you get? I thought they were like really Let's cheap. See. Yeah, me too. Brake pads. Here's some for $42. Yeah, okay. I thought they were like around there. But those could... Yeah. 30, 40 bucks. Yeah. Um, well, I guess this segment's specifically for you, Kelly. But I remembered... I vaguely remembered brake pads being really, really cheap. But Kelly's brakes are worn out. And she's in Sacramento without any sort of automotive tools. So she's going to have to go to a mechanic to get her brake pads changed. And guess how much oh, they're going to charge her. Who? Is it two hundred dollars? That's like seven or eight hundred dollars, Brian. No, you're kidding. Yeah, and she like called that should ba- be illegal. She called back home, and her dad's just like, "Yeah, that's pretty much what I get charged over here too." What? Yeah, and I'm just like, that sucks. I'm baffled. Like you, like all you need is a good jack and like uh and a couple tools, and it just sucks that it's like you don't even need you don't you need you yeah you need a jack and a C clamp yeah. I don't know if you need a C-clamp. I feel like I've used some weird things. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was no, like, you probably oh need, man, that's, you like need the a clamp only th- that's like the only thing I know how to do on a car. <laughs> yeah. How? Ugh. How is it $700? It's $500 a labor, Brian. It takes less than an hour. Yeah. I've watched Dad change brake pads countless times, so I'm just like... So that's the one that really hit home, where it's like, most things I think, oh, I... This is probably easier than they make it seem, but this is the one where I'm just like, ah, oh, that sucks. Like I just, yeah, that hurts my soul. Can yeah. she not go buy a C clamp? Potentially she could, but like, I don't want to put Kelly on blast on the podcast, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just if you have nothing, if you buy a C clamp, a jack, and brake pads, and do it yourself, yeah, that's got to be like. A hundred bucks. Well, I don't know. A good jack pr- that you would be willing to like change, uh, like brake pads on. I've always changed them just with the one that comes with the car. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but maybe this will be your sales pitch to her to buy tools and do it herself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what my first thought was. Wait a minute, if she doesn't have tools, she can still buy them way cheaper. But, yeah, but to each she, their own. Yeah. Anyhow, um, I, I'll just say apologies, Kelly, in advance if you were displeased by me bringing this up on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyhow, all right. With that, 
Um, thank you for listening. I know this was sort of a self-indulgent podcast, but you know what? If you're not here to listen to Brian and Jay, I don't know what you are here for. So um, We may have overdone it on the travel talk. I always feel bad when we talk too much about flying places. Oh, geez, Brian. We're at almost two hours. <laughs> yeah, I know. Whoops. <laughs> but, uh, uh-oh. Whoops. Whoops. Whoopsie daisy. Uh, oh, oopsie daisy. Put that one back in the oven. It needs time to cook. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We had a great time. I certainly hope you did listening to it. Um, but not as much fun as we had, because was, we got to go on the trip. We got to sleep in the musk, busk, m- musk bucket. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You can email the podcast at weeklywilsonpod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at weeklywilsonpod on Twitter. Or on Instagram, you can message us or follow us. Um, But yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, until the end of next week, and unless otherwise noted, my name is Jay Wilson, his name is Brian Wilson, and this has been The Weekly Wilson. So what I'm really curious to see is we gave Kevin and Jason a whole segment about how cool it was to hang out with them. Ooh. Do you think we'll get the same segment on their podcast? It will certainly be more brief. Yeah. That's okay. Which, I don't know. We'll, We'll wait till their pod comes out.